Hello and welcome to the PHBS podcast with myself, Will Bowen, and my co-host, Roberta Lazari. Here on the podcast today, we have with us Nico Wijaya. Nico is the founding CEO of BRI Ventures, a venture arm of Bank Rakayat Indonesia, or BRI, the country's largest bank focusing on micro and small medium business finance. An early tech investment pioneer, he has a career that spans over 10 years in venture capital, corporate transformation, and the startup ecosystem. He was formerly the founding CEO of MDI Ventures, a telecom Indonesia-backed VC, with investments in over 10 countries. Under his leadership, MDI Ventures became one of the most profitable venture capital firms in the region, with three unicorns, two international IPOs on the ASX and TSE, as well as seven trade exits in just five years since its inception. Prior to MDI Ventures, he launched one of the first Indonesia venture funds in 2010 called Sistec Ventures. He joined Telkom Indonesia's Indigo Creative Nation as managing director before he co-wrote the investment thesis for MDI Ventures in 2014. He also works closely with various state-owned companies, advising on digital transformation initiatives across different sectors and industries. Currently, he holds two positions as the Chair of Permanent Committee of Investment and Partnership in the Indonesia Chamber of Commerce, Kaden, and is an honorary board member in the Indonesia Venture Capital Association, Amvesindo. Nico, it's great to have you on the podcast with us today. Thank you, William. Roberta? Nico, welcome to our podcast and thanks for joining us today. Could you tell us more about BRI Ventures? BRI Ventures, we are the corporate venture arm of Bank Rakyat Indonesia, easily translated as the People's Bank of Indonesia. It's perhaps one of the oldest institutions that's still around in Indonesia, even before the independence. It's a, it's 130 years old institutions. So it's the largest bank currently in Indonesia and the largest bank with segments in micro and small medium businesses. And this is a trivia for you guys. You can Google it, but you know, Barack Obama's mother used to be the consultant in microfinancing and women entrepreneurship for BRI back in 87, 85 to 87, I guess. <laughs> wow. That, this that's... is very interesting trivia too. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't know about this till I joined the group, right? So one of the, one of the board of directors, they, you know, they share with me this trivia and I, and I, you know, had this curiosity to, to Google it myself. And then, yeah, it's really cool. And did you ever work with Michelle Obama then or? No, I, I'm not going to do that. I, I wasn't born that day. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> this, this, is, this is 1985. I just joined BRI. I just joined BRI group in 2019. So <laughs> very cool. And what's the new focus in terms of? With BRI, what kinds of companies are you looking at supporting? Is it all a sort of industry focus or sector focus? What's the the big growth area that you see? Our our initial AUM is two hundred and fifty million uh, USD, uh, uh, and that's uh, our balance sheet fund with a focus of fintech and fintech enabler, uh, meaning. You know, as we speak, right, and, you know, most of the unicorns in Indonesia, starting from e-commerce, you know, you know, Tokopedia, uh, you know, Gojek and, you know, Traveloka, these guys had become what we call the embedded finance companies, right? Because everything is, is connected to merchant, offline merchant businesses. So, and even Grab in, in Singapore, they are mostly associated with, uh, with the, with their financial division. 
Grab Financial Group, Grab Financial Holdings. So, uh, so most of the startups that are coming out of Southeast Asia is trying to solve one thing, the financial inclusions for the unbanked and the underbanked. You can see the, the similarities between Southeast Asia's countries like Indonesia, the Philippines, Vietnam, Malaysia, even Cambodia and, and so on. So, uh, so I guess, so this is the, 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 the only sensible narrative when you are talking about even, even e-commerce or an online, an on-demand platform that we have here. So any platform, it has to be somewhat converging into the financial inclusions for everybody. Yeah. Even now we heard about these crypto startups that, that coming out from Southeast Asia, they are trying to address this issue as well for those, the underbank and the unbank. So initially actually I was at MDI back in the day in 2017, and we were about to raise our FinTech fund. I don't know, I'm sure you talked to one of the MDI guys already. But in order for us to, to sell, you know, because money is such a commodity in Southeast Asia because equity was cheap, you know, back in the, back in the day, and it's a lot of money coming out uh, into this region. So, so I was trying to give a flavor to our EI FinTech fund. We interviewed Aldi Hortanto, I think one of your old colleagues mm. at MDI, and your big focus there was FinTech because you also mentioned a fair bit about agri-tech in Indonesia as well. Yeah, yes. Even agri-tech, nowadays we heard of a lot of agri-tech coming out, from Indone out of Indonesia also try to solve these financial inclusions for farmers. Mm. So that's one of the deal in most like startups in, in Indonesia. It, even, even in education, we see, you know, how these edutech companies, they try to solve, you know, these financial issues with, with most of the, especially rural areas or tier three, tier two cities of Indonesia that hasn't gotten the, the luxury, like the top tier in Indonesia or Southeast Asia cities, right? So anyway, back to my story, 2017, we tried to write the thesis for MDI FinTech Fund. And it only makes sense if I get, you know, the, the largest bank of Indonesia that is doing this financial empowerment, financial inclusions. So we went to BRI in 2017, 2018. And then finally, uh, as the ball roll, the, the, the board of directors in, in BRI had a different thought. Right. If we want to do this, we have to do to we have we have to do this at a, a larger scale than just put our money into uh, an existing fund. So from I guess we we were trying to raise uh, around fifty million, hundred million, and then the uh, as the ball roll, we ended up with one hundred and fifty million, focusing on fintech and fintech enabler. And talking about Indonesia, especially, I'm going to ask you, where do you see like venture capital more in general moving over the, the coming years? We see, uh, even though the, the local venture capital industry is moving forward, we see a lot of funds coming out and also there's, you know, there's much momentum coming to Indonesia, venture capital from. China, India, and even in the U.S. quite recently tried to get their foothold in Southeast Asia. And when we talk about Southeast Asia, you cannot ignore Indonesia because 
that's the largest market in, in this region, apparently. We see SoftBank has been betting on many of our unicorns back in 2016, 2017. But now we see as the tech winter comes, um, we see local PCs are, you know, have the, the upper hand because apparently we know the pulse of the ecosystem, so, so to speak, right? We know what's the, the next sector that will emerge from and just, this part of the world. And just on that, what do you think will be the next sector, I guess, globally or in Indonesia specifically? Well, as in globally, we are, you know, a few years behind the U.S. tech ecosystem. The U.S. has more talent, apparently, right? But I guess in Southeast Asia, we can see health as one of the emerging sectors, agriculture, apparently. With the, with the blockchain technology, I, I, I guess we can see something moving at an accelerated pace in that too. Uh, FinTech has gained really huge momentum, especially during the, the pandemic. I know some of the Indonesia's banks shut down some of the branches and, or shifted into, uh, into becoming an experience center rather than a place only to transact or only to bank, only for banking transactions. But we see also an education sector also emerging. But another thing that we are really trying to get our foothold in, in especially in Indonesia and Southeast Asia market, is the direct-to-consumers sector, the D2C. As you know, when the global pandemic and everybody stay, stayed home and most of the shopping malls are in lockdowns, we see the emergence of the DNVB, the Digital Native Vertical Brands, which is all these brands that has been flourished and social media, they've been selling through Instagram, Facebook, and, and, and eventually Topkopedia and, and other e-commerce platforms. These guys has never, you know, put their effort, much of their effort into, a, into an offline presence, but these guys has grown very significantly in the past three years. They've been getting a lot of, you know, attention from even the big department stores to kind of onboarding them into their selections. We see this not only in fashions, but we also, we also see this in F&B. We also see, see this in CG. So these guys, I guess, consumers confident is about to be back, especially in Indonesia. I guess this, this part of the, the segments will, you know, will get a lot of PC money in, in the, in the, in the near future. And instead of considering like different sectors and industry. What is the common characteristic that you, that impresses you in a startup that you invest in? And what are you looking for specifically in founders? Oh, it's, it's varied, right? When you deal with an early stage startups, you see the founders, definitely. You want to see if the founders can adapt or adaptive to the, to the ever-changing environment. In my experience, especially early stage investments, you don't see the, the initial strategy, you know, I mean, when they first presented to you their deck, right? So they are trying to solve one problem and then they're adding many use cases and they're becoming an in, sometimes an entirely different company. For example, like Gojek, they started as this transportations kind of logistics companies and then they grew into a, into a payment company with GoPay and they continue on into, you know, one of the, uh, the largest e-commerce company in Indonesia when they merged with Tokopedia. So we see that also in a lot of companies that we invested in 
especially back in 2016, 2017. First, they started out as payment gateway company and they evolved into becoming something else entirely. So we lack that kind of founders, those kind of founders. Those, because those kind of founders know how to, you know, how to validate their thesis step-by-step. And when one of those, you know, many theses get validated and they integrate them into, a, into their, their core business. We have a payment gateway company that's, that is now evolving into a, into a P2P lending and also doing payment processing, not only in Indonesia, but Southeast Asia. We, we, we have one, let's say an agri-tech company that is now also doing a lending to farmers, you know? So this is the type of founders that we like. We know it's not a monolith. Your business plan is not, it's, 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 it's not going to last like, uh, you know, for the next five, 10 years. You have to change somewhat in the middle. You have to adjust. You have to up your game, increasing the barrier of entry for your competitors to come in. I suppose it's that versatility of kind of quality that yeah yeah can continually pivot. And so exactly, you know, you've, you've had a lot of success. You've had two IPOs that we've we've just mentioned. And I just wanted to ask: with all the success, have there been any, I guess, investment mistakes that that and and that, how have you handled those, or if if there have been any? Of course. Too many. <laughs> yeah, but, but when we talk about venture capital investment, it's, it's, it's not for a company per se, right? We, you, you have to look at it as a, as, a, as a portfolio. We, you know, we definitely, since my MDI days also, we, I, you know, I, I, you know, we made mistakes in, in, in looking at the, you know, uh, one, one or two companies or several companies that we, that we bet is going to like make unicorn and the other company that's not going to make a unicorn, but you know, but surviving. But the fact is the other way around. I also made, let's say not a bad investment decision, but you know, somewhat a less advantageous exit decision, for example. <laughs> I see. I see. So <laughs> that, that happened too. That happened too. That happened too. Because we thought this sector might be, you know, too mature. I don't think they will go into a, you know, in, into a series D, series E. So we sold off the company back in, you know, when they were, you know, gaining fractions in series C and we thought this is it, right? I mean, I, I you know, I don't think this, the, the, the sector is going to grow, but COVID happened as COVID happened, this is a fintech company anyway. So when COVID happened and then they turned into unicorns, so. It happened too, you know, I, I, I sold it off when it, it values at, you know, maybe three, 500 million, three, 400 million valuation. Now they're at like 3 billion US dollars valuation. So, so that's, that's also something that we, you know, learn over the years. And, you know? and bearing those in mind and the learning you've mentioned, what do you think makes a successful VC? What do you think the qualities are that you need to be successful in, in VC? Oh, oh, well, I guess, you know, one of my learning is to, to view this not as opportunity only, but also how you manage the risk, right? The, well, the best practice in venture capital, let's say you, you are allowed only to, to invest 20% in total ownership of a company. But there's another best practice that I've learned over the years too, especially talking with the corporate VC, similar like us, like SAP, Telstra, Singtel, BBBA. They have a certain risk appetite for every sector that they're in. Let's say 
you know, in my case, also the same. I can all, I, I, you know, we can only take, let's say, 20, 25% of every sector that we're in. So just make sure that you don't put everything in one basket of the 20, 25%. Because in the end, it's more about managing the risk than managing the opportunity to get in, you know. Because, you know, this, this fear of missing out is contagious, right? It's, it's like a virus that you can, when, you know, junior PC in one cafe, let's say, talk about this deal and the other guys pick it up and it becomes a newsworthy story. <laughs> and for, for anyone looking into, looking to like break into BC, what would be your advice for them? There's no formal invitation to VC, right? You have to get to know people in the inside because it's not a formal job that you have like nine to five. It's, it's really about listening, you know, what people are talking about, because there's only two parts in PC, whether you can make a killer deal, meaning that you, you secure the deal, you know, with a bigger upside and, you know, before your fun life was finished and you get like, you know, so many multiple exits in it. And that's the other part, the other part, which is that you give support to your portfolio and maybe you can, you know, that job description lead you into a investor relation type of, of professions. And then you go fundraising for your next LP or the, your next fund. So I guess, you know, many people ask me this, you know, how to get into C job. And I sometimes as I, I said to them, you know, I, I didn't even consider this as job in the beginning. <laughs> and then it's, it's, it's really about, you know, what you hear. What, what you heard in the market, what you heard in the, uh, you know, people talk about, let's say this one high network person or one, this, this one big corporations, they need to uh, allocate some budget, you know, to diversify their portfolio or they have the need to uh, transform, let's say, and then you have to like kind of give some accommodation to that needs. I started this career back in 2011. So, uh, and I remember back then, you know, you have to do a lot of angel investment too, so that you know the certain risk that you are going to take in each of specific deals. And without it, I don't think you can even consider that this is like a, it's like a formal job. And we made a joke about this too in the industry. Venture capital professions in Indonesia is only what, 10 years around. There weren't you know, a job placement and looking for an associate in VC 10 years ago, or, you know, we, we might not heard it again in the next coming 10 years. So yeah. it's, 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 it's only temporary, right? It's, it's only like you have to be, you, you have to be really immersed in the industry even before you jump in. So you'd say it's about risk tolerance and then immersing yourself. What would you say? We've got time for one final question, but what's been your specific formula for success for yourself, do you think? Oh, wow. I don't have any, you know, I, I don't have a specific like formula for success. I guess I'm still learning. I thought Indonesia, you know, after going one cycle, we become, you know, a somewhat tech hub for Southeast Asia, you know, with, you know, some of our unicorns, um, Go, you know, going publicly listed in the IDX or in NASDAQ or in the stock exchange. But I guess we still have a long way to go right now. At the same time, the macro is not, so, it's, it's not conducive enough for us to, to take this to the next level yet. 
So what I've learned after 10 years that you have to, you have to be very prudent in selecting your investments as if you're selecting a, you know, a, a stock portfolio or crypto, even crypto coins and, and, and to, to some degree, you have to understand the risk and you have to, you know, understand how to de-risk that opportunity as well. So I guess, yeah, because many TC forgot, you know, this very important principles that after the end of the day, that it's not your money that you are betting. So it has to be, it has to be very prudent. Understood. Well, that's all we've got time for, but thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, William. Thank you, Roberta. Thank you so much, Nico. You guys have a nice day. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you haven't already, join our community online on Instagram, where you can stay up to date with the latest episodes and reach out to us.